0: Purple, get ready to roll indeed. Welcome back to College and Kimball, your K-State Wildcats 2-0 and 0 on the young season. We've got a lot of content to get to here in this week's recap preview edition. I'm your host, Jeff Burkhardt, joined, as always, by Clint Wilson, Justin Nutter, and Alex Speth. Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. It is college underscore Kimball and you can find each of our individual Twitter handles linked out on that page. So, guys, got a lot to get to today. Um, One other item I will put out there, uh, the Wildcats' obvious upcoming opponent is the University of Nevada. We've got a good interview. If you guys wanna check that out, that's already in your podcast feed. I had a chance to catch up with Duke Rittenhouse. He covers the Wolfpack for the Reno Gazette Journal. So a lot of good insight on K-State's upcoming opponent. We will obviously be breaking down the Nevada Wolf Pack and giving our predictions for week three, but we're going to start off here first and foremost with the Cats' second victory of the young season, the 31-23 decision against Southern Illinois. We We hit on it multiple times. This was a quality FCS team. And I, I, we obviously know there's a pretty big reason why they were able to linger around in this game for so long. But at the end of the day, K-State does manage to find a way to prevail. Guys, I'll I'll start off with you, uh, Clint. Describe the middle lane for me, the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. How were we feeling about everything? And do we feel like K-State was gonna find a way to get it done?
1: um you know it was very deflating after skylar goes out it you know we were having a great time looking like we were going to run away with it even with that uh skylar interception um but uh, after that the game just lost all the fun that it had um you know the the second half when our defense really showed what they could do you know i, I still felt good about that game but it was hard to have a good time just thinking about what the rest of the season was going to hold Uh, as bad as the quarterback play looked in the end of the first half and not much better in the second half.
2: I think, if anything, my biggest cause for concern was how quickly that 18-point lead just disintegrated, right? Like, I mean, it was basically Murphy's law there for three possessions. If it could have gone wrong, it did go wrong. Um, Yeah, you know, obviously the way the defense played in the second half, like, I don't think I ever necessarily felt like we were going to lose that game. Obviously, it's, you know, not the most comfortable situation when you know you are one busted play from losing the lead again, basically the rest of the game. Um defense did what it had to, but I think, you know, Clint hit the nail on the head that I think, you know, the the concern was more long term and not so much, you know, what we were watching actually happen in front of us.
0: That was definitely the the sense really of the entire crowd. It, it was awesome to be back in the stadium and again. You you mentioned it. We get out, we we run out to that twenty-one to three lead and it you know you can you get you already get the feeling you know students are going to check out in this in, in the second half because we're we're up so big in this one and we're looking forward to that final non-con game against Nevada and then it all just goes sideways with the the, the GD turf monster getting Skylar. Uh, I'll say this I, I have never felt so like deflated. At that point I just really did not care anymore because I was so. I felt so horrible for Skylar. This is this is a guy who's been through quite a bit in his time at Kansas State. And we you know, we could go through all the details, obviously the, the quarterback battle with Delton going through all the offensive coordinators that he's gone through, the coaching change and everything and getting the 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 face up endorsement from Kleiman, the second Kleiman was hired on, like he's been through a lot. And, and I think everybody wanted, uh, if there was one guy, everybody wanted to truly break out and have a good end to his career at K state this season. It was, it was Skyler and to, to see that happen was, was again, uh, as deflating a play I've ever witnessed in, in person. I know uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but there was a non-con game against Troy many, many years ago. And Darren Sproles went out of that game with an injury and, I remember listening on radio and, and and Stan even talking about it like the Just the air got sucked out of the place, and it was very much the same thing that we saw this past Saturday. Now, good uh, bad news, good news. Obviously, we saw Skylar walk from the tent to the locker room, didn't come back in. We've all the reports are that this injury, while well, I think everybody and their brother, whenever you see a non-contact injury and a guy just go down the way that he did your mind goes a lot of different places and a lot of them are season ending places you're talking about achilles you're talking acl there's a lot of different things that pop into your head but all the sources are reporting that this is not nearly as significant as as everybody initially thought that skylar will be back later on the season I, I do have to ask you guys since you know we're recording this on thursday or excuse me on wednesday night the 15th we still haven't seen that definitive, hey, went in for MRI results negative type thing. Do, do Is there any cause for anybody here to to think that this is this is lip service by the coaches just to try to keep things together? Alex, do you, do you feel like this is something that we can truly take to the bank and believe that Skyler's gonna be back? Because I know we, we talked about a couple years ago when that 2017 episode where Bill Snyder was saying that Jesse Ertz was going to be back. And I think everybody kind of knew that he he was done for the season and we weren't going to see him again. So I don't feel like we, I don't get the sense this time around, but what's your thought on that? Yeah. I mean,
3: I, I tend to believe the reports just because they're pretty overwhelming, uh, overwhelmingly positive that it's not season ending. Whereas last year we kind of had similar, um, you know, nothing was definitive. We didn't know for maybe a few weeks if Skylar was out for the season or not. But at the same time, all the you know insider reports were not all on the same page on that one either. I feel like they're much more on the same page this time. Um, kind of just saying it's a, it's a maybe two, three week recovery, hopefully. But at the same time, it's just, it's the nature of college football. You know, in the NFL, I'm pretty sure they have to release injury information on players, but in college you could be more uh, secretive about what's going on. So of course no coach is going to come out and just explicitly say like this is the injury and this is, you know, cuz why why would you give that information to opponents? Um but as fans you're kind of sitting there wondering um we've seen this before with different coaching staff that you know you can kind of hopefully try to play games with the opponent if they have to prepare for the possibility of uh, your starting quarterback playing you know just to throw them off of the game their game plan but um, I don't think that that's kind of the game they're playing I think it's probably you know it is what it is um, not season endur- ending injury but you know at the same time you just never
0: know fingers certainly cl- crossed for for Skyler and that we do get to see him back and and guys we did kick around the idea of and what we've been hearing is that we're they're targeting the oklahoma game in which again such an amazing and bizarre emotional turnaround from so many of us thinking that he's done for the season in his career at k-state's going to end with two seasons where he sustained back-to-back season ending injuries you know just a couple of games in and then all of a sudden we hear we get the news that oklahoma's the the idea the what the staff is targeting as the return game. So just a couple of weeks from now, it's it's going to be here before you know it now. I would much rather he get the extra week after uh, the week of Oklahoma in the bye week and then prep for Iowa State. I would much rather have him healthy for that and knowing that he might be closer to, you know ninety percent for that game rather than trying to rush him back in two weeks to get him ready for Oklahoma. How, what do you, if, if Oklahoma is in fact the target date, what are you guys thoughts on that? Do we feel like it would be better served to, to wait longer?
2: Yeah. if The reports are to be believed. I think absolutely. That makes sense. You know, I, I know Skyler has had Oklahoma's number the last couple of years and I'm not at all trying to detract from that, but you know, I think that's, I don't know that I'm willing to risk, you know, trying to, trying to have lightning strike a third time. If it means that, you know, he's not a hundred percent anyway. So yeah, I think I absolutely agree with, um, if the target is that, but he's not ready to go, I think you absolutely give him those two extra weeks and only quote unquote cost yourself one more game there.
1: Totally agree. If he's a hundred percent or close to it, then yeah, I'd love for him to play uh, versus Oklahoma, but if there's no need to rush him back whatsoever,
3: give him that by week, if he needs it. My thought is, uh, of depends on how the next two weeks go honestly um if things are you know if if will can prove the next two weeks that he can go out there and give the you know not make mistakes and give the team a chance to win and skylar is maybe not 100 percent, then yeah you rest him against oklahoma but uh to me considering it's a lower body injury um if will's not playing well you know if if we really need skylar out there and he thinks he can go, and they can, you know, minimize running the ball. You give it a shot. I think um, if he's ready to go. Uh, granted, you know, if if things happen during the course of the game that, you know, it's not a good idea anymore, then, um, you know, don't hesitate to to take him out. But, you know, if if we just need a guy out there that can just throw the ball and make completions, I think you you trust him if if he's ready to go and the trainers and the doctors think he's okay to to play.
0: Now we've, we've spent plenty of time on Skyler, and he deserves that. And, and again, we certainly hope that we see him as soon as possible. So here in the interim, we get to call on will Howard and he, I, I, I hate <clears throat> tagging on the guy, but he looked rough. Um, he, he did string together a nice drive, uh, early in the second quarter. To help stretch that lead to 21 to three but once we got outside of that possession things went sideways very quickly now i i i would be remiss if i didn't put this out there i I feel like a lot of fans are are putting it all on will which i i don't feel is accurate i feel like this game could have you really it boils down to a a horribly catastrophic two minute sequence where you go from being up 21 to three, and then your defense yields a touchdown. You have a fumble on the next offensive snap that they recover inside the t- uh, inside your ten, and then you have a pick six on the ensuing possession. Follow that up with a fumble that they recover close to midfield. Will Howard is not that bad, and, and, and that that not all of that is on Will Howard either. Obviously, the first fumble was Deuce Vaughn. Uh, mentioned that was the, his first fumble since his sophomore year of high school. So I'm not just going to say we're gonna see this routinely out of this K State offense. They they've not Deuce has not shown the penchant for putting the ball on the turf like that just got popped at a really awkward spot. The pick six by Will Howard, yes, he totally has to own that. That was a, he airmailed that throw. And, and Alex, you talked about it before we started rolling here. I don't think anybody, when that pick occurred, I don't think anybody thought that was going back the other way for a touchdown, but then the gate kind of just opened wide opened wide, and nobody on the K-State side was able to get the, the defender down. So that is what it is. And, and like I said, you go all of a sudden from being up by 18, like you mentioned, Nutter, to being in this position where Oh shit, it's now 21 to 16. We're going to get the ball back, but I got to do something with this cuz I don't want to have to give don't want to have to give the ball right back over to them. And unfortunately, that's not what happened. And and I think that was really what the game came down to was will just getting so tense after that first turnover and, and knowing that the game that the that the lead could swing one way or the other, depending on what happened on that next possession. I think he started to get into his own head on that. Uh, Another element that I do have to mention on this front too, there, you know, if if you follow K-State Twitter on game day and and you're on any of the boards and whatnot, there are plenty of Skylar detractors out there, people who have not really appreciated the kind of career that he's compiled at K-State, man, if if seeing Will Howard hasn't made you appreciate what Skylar did as a red shirt freshman going in cold to a lot of games and having in like the KU game in 2017, where we needed to get points to, to ice that one and put that one out of reach uh, after Alex Delton went out the Texas tech game. When again, Alex Delton got knocked out and Skylar Thompson had to lead a, a late drive and get a two point convert a touchdown and a two point conversion just to push that game into overtime to, you, you have to acknowledge that playing quarterback is really, really freaking hard and it's hard to do it at a high level at the power five. And I think Skylar Thompson is, is, should, you should as a fan appreciate what he brings to the table that much more because you see what with Will Howard is Will Howard going to be a P five quarterback. Who's to say, I, I don't know if he is our future after Skylar is gone, I don't know if it goes to rubley and i don't know if it goes to jaron lewis there's a lot of candidates obviously waiting in the wings but i, I just had to put that out there because i feel like so many people have, have just unrelentingly bagged on Skylar, and, and also on top of that with will howard this is you just have to take a lot of different elements into consideration and, and again as far as this game goes if you just isolate that two minute sequence if if do De- i i think if deuce spawn does not cough up that fumble that's with five minutes left in the second quarter, and you're leading 21 to nine. If K-State just holds on to the ball and takes two, three minutes off the clock, even if you end up punting that ball away, you're likely still going into the locker room with a two-score lead at halftime, and you're probably not going to really be sweating the outcome of this game at any point. So... Again, you, you can play, you our, our loyal listeners, can play the doomsday card and say that everything is totally foobard and that the whole season is effed. Like, if you want to go that route, you can, man. But, like, I know that this team is better than three consecutive turnovers on three possessions, and two of which are more or less one of which directly results in a touchdown for the opposition. The other one is pretty much a gift wrap touchdown where you give the ball to them inside your 10. That's not going to happen all the time. And I think a lot of people need to realize that and realize that this is still a quality team that has a lot of positives and a lot of things that you need to think about as we move forward into this next game against the And one of those positives, Clint, I feel like we have, we, we've spent plenty of time here talking about offense. We've got to talk defense now, man. They, they were exceptional in this game. They were lights out were really a couple of really short sequences with some shoddy tackling. But as we said, a lot of the points that were yielded in this game were, were not no fault of the defenses. I thought they looked terrific this past Saturday.
1: The 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 guy that um, really the whole game kind of focused around when you're watching the highlights was uh, Felix Anudike. That guy was an absolute monster. Three sacks in this game, two fumbles forced, uh, and none bigger than the one at the very end of the game to really seal it. Uh, Daniel Green coming into the second half was a huge spark for this defense. You know, I kind of wondered if the linebacker position was really going to be that impactful for this game. But, I mean, he clearly made all the difference in the world. Um, you come out and you you uh, pitch a shutout as a player for the entire season. He wasn't on the field uh, for that final drive that Stanford had to get in the end zone, and uh, they don't score any points at all in the second half of this second game. I mean um, – He he didn't do anything that uh, makes you say that's an All American. He didn't get any sacks or interceptions or anything, but he was just a force out there, and he uh, seems to give a lot of confidence to this defense.
0: And, Alex, I got to ask you, uh, what unit did you come away most impressed with this past Saturday? Uh, Because you can really make a case for a lot of different ones. It's one of those games, just the way it occurred, you feel like
3: things go bad so so quickly, you're, you just have that in your head, like, man, we're just all playing like crap. But then you, like, analyze the game and you look at the stats um, and you're like, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought. It's hard not to say defensive line just because, you know, Felix Anudike with the three sacks, two forced fumbles, you get a defensive lineman with an interception. Um, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, at times, it felt like their little chubby little short quarterback was kind of picking us apart. But you look at the stats, and he was 16 for 27, 176 yards, and in an interception. Like, I don't think our secondary played by, bad by any means. You know, every, every game you play, it doesn't matter who you're going to pl- you play, you're going to give up a, a few, you know, decent completions. But I would say D line
0: and secondary came out pretty good. Yeah, defensive line definitely noticed them. Particularly late third quarter and on into the fourth, they started abusing the the front of Southern Illinois. You could tell that they were, and they were getting a lot of penetration, and and that was really disrupting things. And really, at the end of the day, the Southern Illinois team had had 12 possessions in the ball game, and seven of those netted fewer than 10 yards. And you really only give up. Two sustained drives. You gave up one uh, in the first half, 17 plays, 61 yards. They needed two fourth down conversions on that drive. That was the field goal drive there. And then, really beyond that, it it was after Deuce Vaughn had scored the final touchdown of the game, and and K State's clearly playing prevent defense, just trying to keep Southern Illinois out at the end zone. Really beyond that, this defense put the clamps down on, on SIU and they hold them to just four, you know, just a shade over four yards per play, and I, I can't, you know, I, I I come away feeling just very impressed and encouraged by everything that we've seen. We, we mentioned Daniel Green just being a monster in the second half. I think he was he was he was missed a little bit in the first half. Like we said, we we saw some some spots where there's some there was some poor tackling, but by and large the 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 linebacker core was was pretty respectable. Cody Fletcher, again, continues to impress me. Uh, I know when he announced that he was going to be coming back for his super senior season, I, I was pretty indifferent about it, but he's been off to a rock-solid start. So uh, secondary looked good, didn't get torched on many deep balls. Again, doing a good job of keeping everything in front of it, and we already hit on the defensive line, just wrecking things. Uh, all in all, uh, another really solid effort. From From that group I guess before we transition to awards Nutter I gotta give you And also Clinton, Alex Feel free to chime in after he does Any other parting thoughts Just on The Cats second victory of the season Anything you want to get off your chest As we get set to jump into awards
2: um, You know I You know I kind of said it before That this game went from Looked like a runaway win To oh my god what's going to happen In a matter of like you said, off air, you know, basically two minutes of clock time. But, you know, credit where it's due, a lot of clutch plays were made on both sides of the ball, really. Uh, That's, you know, definitely something I think uh, a positive you can take away from this game. You know, you got the strip sack at, you know, the SIU 10 that we unfortunately can't turn into points, but then you've got another strip sack by the same guy to end the game. You've got, you know, for as, call it what it is, for as bad as he was all day, Will Howard hits uh, Phillip Brooks on a pretty clutch third down play to keep a scoring drive alive. You know, like, there were definitely some clutch moments on both sides. You know, hopefully those are things that they can build on moving into, obviously, a pretty tough contest.
1: Shout out Malik Knowles. He was on his way to having a great game, and he did have a great game, but it could have been even better if the uh, passing game would have stayed, you know, acceptable throughout the rest of the game.
3: So. I wanted to make a point on uh, Jeff, you were talking about, you know, Skyler having his detractors and this game kind of showing us like how good Skyler is or how hard it is to be a quarterback. I've always felt like Skyler's just one of those guys that, you know, he's, he's good enough that people want more out of him. If that makes any sense, that's how I've, I've kind of looked at him. Like he's not the best quarterback ever that we've ever had, but he's good enough. That people expect more out of you know he's got all the physical tools and he definitely has his faults as a quarterback but um i think even the people that are maybe critics of skylar is just because they feel like he's capable of more than what he's done um so it's, it's just one of those you know he has critics
0: because he has potential kind of thing very well said. We'll we'll dive into our, our awards now. I think it's appropriate time to transition here and we'll transition to obviously the first one up, the team MVP award, the Michael Bishop Award for the week. And Clint uh we, we had a little bit of a debate, but I think at the end of the day, we gotta go defense on this one, King Felix.
1: Yeah, defense is what saved this team in the second half, and it really centered around Felix and Udike. Um, the three sacks in the game were the most since uh, 2015 when uh, uh, Jordan Willis had a fairly similar game. He had three and a half sacks against uh, in a very tight game against Louisiana Tech, which I only know that because I looked up the stats. I actually don't remember a single one of those stats, those sacks, that's just kind of the player that you know Jordan Willis was. He wasn't flashy. he just got the job done. But, uh, you know, I love that Felix Sanudike is a little bit more flashy. I love that this team is, uh, you know, throwing up the mob sign, you know, really showing us what they're all about. And, um, you know, you got to give uh, this guy MVP when uh, he really sealed the game there at the end, getting the force fumble on his sack.
0: No doubt. Very, very deserving this past week. And, uh, again, a guy that I think – has the opportunity to play on Sundays and certainly has the frame. And I, I can't wait to see more from him over these next couple of seasons. He's just gotten off to a terrific start and he's going to have a chance of uh, this upcoming week against a pretty pass happy team to tee off as well. So hopefully we see a few more uh, big plays in the backfield from King Felix. We'll pivot now to the offensive MVP, the Darren Sproles, excuse me, Darren Sproles award for the week and Nutter, no real doubt about it. Unfortunately, Skyler Thompson, three three completions for nearly 100 yards. It uh, looked like he was well on his way to a 200-250-yard 200, type game and hopefully a couple of touchdowns in there, but that obviously doesn't materialize. Deuce Vaughn, however, doing what he always does, fourth straight 100-yard game. He was electric for K-State, and really the only one outside of Malik that he could really point to is giving you a lot of big plays on offense.
2: Yeah, I mean, three scores, none bigger than the last one, obviously, to kind of, kind of put it on ice. Um, obviously, a, an uncharacteristic fumble, uh, one that he obviously immediately owned up to in the presser, and wouldn't be shocked at all if that's the last fumble we see out of him for a very long time. Find some wood and knock on it, but uh, it, uh, yeah, I mean, really, just kind of another day at the office for him. You know, I, I think Clint said it last week. We're pretty spoiled in that we can already say it's just deuce being deuce. But, uh, yeah, just another really solid outing.
0: And and another thing I will say, I do feel like we have to give a little bit of credit to the offensive line, too, for him this week. Because it became pretty apparent in the later stages of the second quarter that the passing threat was going to go out the window. And K-State still managed to rack up over 200 yards on the ground when southern illinois pretty much knew it was coming and a lot of those were very hard-earned yards by deuce Vaughn and also jacardi Wright right and, and joe Irvin, like very impressed by the offensive line nutter go ahead i believe,
2: I believe there were seven pass attempts in the second half there you go <laughs>
0: and uh yeah yeah well we can we could talk a little bit more about game planning for for the next week and how we're gonna how many times we're going to throw the ball. Um let's let's switch gears now and and go to the defensive side of the ball. The Mark semino award for week number 2. Uh now we we do have a stipulation here on our our show that if you are the team MVP, you cannot be the offensive or defensive MVP. So obviously uh so Felix is going to take himself out of the running here with those three sacks and two forced fumbles. But Alex uh, we did have some big contributions, a guy who was sorely uh, not sorely missed in the first half, uh, but definitely came in and made a pretty significant impact in the second half. And that was Daniel Green. Yep. Um,
3: Daniel Green had to miss the first half because of that targeting in the second half of the Stanford game and trash call, trash call. Right. <laughs> Whatever you think of that call. Uh, yeah, he he did not get to play in the first half of this game. and. You know, it's not saying that the defense was necessarily bad in the first half. You know, they they didn't give up the one touchdown. That was an interception return. Uh, They gave up a touchdown on a real short field, but they were immensely better in the second half. And the difference there is Daniel Green was in there and he was just all over the place. And, you know, I think uh, just just that difference of him out there, um, just elevating the 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 play of the entire defense uh you give him the nod for defensive uh mvp now and he did not get targeted
0: uh he did not get called for targeting so he will play all the next game hopefully and he will definitely be needed against uh the nevada wolf pack air raid team who's gonna probably stress them more than a lot of other offenses will in the big 12 that is for sure now we move now to the david allen award for special teams player of the week and clint i know i i put Taton winkle just here by by default but you had another candidate uh
1: randon platner which
0: is apparently our long snapper right now
1: <laughs> so maybe we just void this award this week because uh you know, no no one really had a standout game on special teams. I'm sure there was a lot of guys who had great games that don't get the recognition, um, you know, on the return teams and blocking for the kicks and whatnot. So we'll just collectively give it to all those gentlemen who work their asses off day in and day out.
0: Yeah, very... Uh... Ho hum day as far as returns go. No K, uh, or excuse me, no pun returns for K State. Uh, Phillip Brooks did have a nice 31-yard return. Malik had a 17-yard return. But um, so some uh, again some missed opportunities. You touched on at the missed field goal by Tate and Winkle. That you know, if you cash that, who knows if that that final touchdown by Vaughn puts this game in, into the two-score territory, or would have put this game into the two-score territory case they're not nearly uh, sweating that final possession of Southern Illinois. But neither here nor there. Uh, we'll move next to the Arthur Brown newcomer of uh, the week. and Clint, I'll, I'll say again, the, the, he's been a, just a force early on a, on the young season, and we haven't re- I, I still think the the best is yet to come for him. Timmy Horn had another solid game.
1: Yeah, he just clogs up that middle. He has great energy. He's not a guy who's going to get six, seven tackles a game. He's probably not going to come away with a lot of sacks on the year. Um, But the guy is just a force. And, you know, teams are just not running up the middle on K-State. And he's the biggest reason why.
0: Yeah, rush defense has been very salty through the first two weeks. Time to move now to the Unsung Hero Award, aptly named the John Hubert Award. And uh, I got to pitch it here to Nutter, our, our our unsung hero for the week, Landry.
2: I, I raised a few eyebrows when I took him in fantasy. I'll just say that. Um, he did, you know, have a couple of catches. They were his first catches since since 2019. Um, so it had been a little while. Obviously, you know, he, he drew quite a bit of praise, enough from the coaches that he, you know, cracked the two deep on that initial depth trap before the Stanford game. So nice to see him, you know, get himself involved. And, you know, with, with things shaking up here a little bit, you know, maybe he's, he's looked at as a little bit more of a weapon uh, moving forward here with our, with our new look offense over the next couple of weeks.
0: And those two catches came on really critical plays on a fourth down uh, conversion, went to him on the far sideline by the student section. He got a first down on that play, the ensuing play, K-State ended up turning the ball over but nevertheless he a uh, big catch on that play and the other one uh was a rope from will howard uh on a third down and 10 uh and it looked like he honestly was hung out to drive but landry went up climbed the ladder caught that one and uh, extended a drive that k statement would ultimately end up scoring a touchdown on in the second quarter so a couple of big uh Big contributions from him this week, and uh, finally we wrap things up with the Trey Walker Award for the moment of the game, and the 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 obvious selection here was, as far as the impact and the overall outcome of the game, and UDK's third and final sack, which results in the forced fumble that puts the game away. But Alex, I think they're a play that we haven't even touched on yet that's going to be one that we watch for a long time that deflection interception was amazing
3: yeah um i believe that was their first drive of the game or second drive. i can't remember but uh their little quarterback rolls out i think it was a third down in like four or five rolls out he had a guy leak up field a little bit and throws it right to him and it went through his hands into a group of k-state players where former uh Former walk-on quarterback, now scholarship uh, secondary player, Hennington. Jumps down, bats the ball off the ground before it hits the ground, and tips it right to Jalen Pickle. Uh, You know, always love to see the big guys getting uh, interceptions and touchdowns and whatnot. So, and it definitely happened because we had a long review to make sure that it happened
2: <laughs> yeah i needed to shave by the time that review ended
0: <laughs> i was gonna say that was the longest damn review and and i remember uh i looked at the clock because they've got the timer on it now I'm like god we're getting into four minutes what the hell are they trying to find and, and uh, again i'm sure they were looking for any any single Frame in which it might look like the nose of the ball glanced off the hand and and hit the hit the turf before it bent. Like I, I thought, and probably the one thing that the color analyst for ESPN Plus, Brandon Wieden, got right all day is that he he pretty much immediately said after the first minute, like. They're not going to find anything to overturn this and, and, and talk about guys who had a rough day. You think Will Howard had a bad day. Brandon Whedon had a bad day calling <laughs> doing color for that game. And that was the one observation that he made that I, I actually agreed with him and he put it in a very eloquent fashion. So. Jalen Pickle with his first INT of the season. Hopefully the big fella gets more. Like you said, Alex, love to see the big guys get in and, and uh, get INTs. Doesn't happen often. So those are your awards for week number two. We'll briefly here touch on the Big 12 slate from week two. Uh, guys, raise your hand if you were shocked to see Iowa State spit the bit at home against Iowa. Nobody's hands up. What a shocker. Uh, Yeah, the Cyclones uh, eat the curb. Brock Purdy turnover. Bryce, uh, excuse me, Brees Hall has a rough day. Brock Purdy actually ended up getting benched in this one. Um, It's Iowa's seventh win in the last eight tries. Uh, I can't really think of anything other than to say this is isn't obviously like K-State losing 29 straight to Nebraska. But it's one of those where you feel like Iowa State just loads up and swings so hard to try and get the Hawkeyes whenever they play them. And they always inevitably have the Charlie Brown, Lucy yanks the ball. Like it, it, it just seems like we see that every time in this game. Can I also
3: say watching an Iowa Hawkeyes football game is probably about the most boring thing I've done this year. <laughs> My God, that game was boring. I'm Watched
0: like, a little bit. I I caught a little bit of it before I went to the stadium, and they have the slowest, widest quarterback I have ever seen. I I think Mason Rudolph might actually beat this guy in a 40. That's how slow he is. (laughs) Every year. It's
3: not just this one guy. It's every quarterback they've had for 30 years. (laughs) Like, wouldn't it be frustrating watching this team knowing that your quarterback is definitely not going to scramble for a first down ever.
2: You know, the one other thing I would add is, you know, KU fans give us a lot of flack, you know, rent-free, blah, 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 blah. You want to talk about rent-free? Iowa State was so hyped to beat Iowa, they literally dressed up as Iowa.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny because, you know, their fans still wore a bunch of red and yellow because they're like, well, I guess if we were – Black people are gonna think we're at Knick Stadium, yeah. No shit, don't don't steal your rivals' colors, you morons. Mm. This makes Big no dummy. sense. <laughs> I get it if you want to do a blackout against K State or Oklahoma or whatever, but let's wear black. Who are we playing? Iowa. Real smart.
0: <laughs> I just don't know what the the motivation was there on their part. And like that, that red, the red and gold just pops so well on TV when you see that. And I just have no idea why you would, would go away from that to go to this very dull black and white look. Like it just makes no sense to me. They've got, and they Iowa state's got some clean alternate looks that they could have rolled out there. And they went with the one that looked just like, just like I was, but man, that's, it's That's, infected their their entire athletic department. I
3: saw on Twitter, like, their golf team, their uniform for, for the year was, like, black polos. It's just like, do you guys hate your colors that much?
0: <laughs> They're weird, but tornado birds go giant, down. Sorry. No, no, go ahead.
3: I was going to say uh, their architecture, it looked like they built a giant Bluetooth speaker behind their stadium. Did you guys see that one? It's like and their new, price. it's their new like performance facility that's like right next to the stadium, but it just looks like a giant black box.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I'm surprised that that the thing like the steel beams that are just suspended there. I- I'm surprised a tornado hasn't taken that up yet. At some <laughs> point, just knowing what we yeah have to go through this part. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Big letdown at Jack Trice, and uh, another thing, and I'm sure again you're probably listening to this on Thursday or Friday. You, you've undoubtedly seen the Paul Feinbaum little snippet of him calling out, saying that you can just you can miss me with all this Iowa State hype and whatnot, and w- which I don't want to give a whole lot of credence to Paul Feinbaum and anything he does, but he did talk about you don't get many opportunities where you are. Truly taking center stage on a college football Saturday and you and this uh, another thing, too, with all the seniors that they have on that roster and with this being thought of as a team that legitimately could creep into the playoff conversation. It would take a lot. Uh, It would have taken a lot. But this was a team that was thought to be that good this year, thought to be 10 plus wins. Good. to lose in that fashion and to lose in that and, and, and to not take advantage of that setting has to be tough because again you you don't know it is very fleeting in this sport especially when you are not a blue blood to know, what you know you're not going to get that that environment that atmosphere every single Saturday and you're not going to have that type of opportunity so tough low for Iowa State they'll get right this uh, this coming week against UNLV but for the moment the Tornado Birds are one and one after dropping. To Iowa. So we take a look at a couple other games in the conference. Arkansas took its foot off the gas, but they beat the brakes off of Texas 40 to 21. Uh really love hearing the and it's gonna be like this from now until they formally depart the conference, but the crowd reactions in Bill Snyder family stadium whenever they announced the score were just wonderful. And I'm sure we'll get that with Oklahoma as well. Uh, But the Sooners didn't have nearly as much trouble with Western Carolina. Uh, If you wanted to uh, cash in your 401k a little bit early, you could have bought that on pay-per-view. But OU 76 to nothing winners over Western Carolina. Uh, TCU over Cal. uh, To see TCU put up 34 on a pretty good Cal defense was, was impressive. But that also kind of made me a little bit nervous from the standpoint of K-State's going to be going up against a squad that, you know, we're, we're talking about a lot of transitive shit here, but to see Nevada do what they did defensively against Cal and then to see Cal go out and just rip up a Gary Patterson defense for over 450 yards and 30 plus points, that's something. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe if I'm I'm reading way too far into this, but did you guys have any kind of reaction to this game?
1: I'm just not convinced that TCU is really any good this year.
3: Agreed. That
1: was yeah, my you,
2: thought. Uh, sorry, Alex.
3: I was going to say that was my thought. If anything, the fact that uh, TCU scored more points on Cal than Nevada did makes me feel pretty good about the Nevada game.
2: Yeah, there were just too many variables in play here. I, Jeff, you used the word transitive already. I just don't buy into the like the whole transitive property thing. I it's never anything i've really subscribed to so no i'm not putting too much stock into that
0: yeah and tcu got a very uh, favorable call uh, cal had to go for two on their uh, final touchdown to try and even this one up at 34 34 and uh maybe a hometown spot on the two-point try but uh, tcu does deny cal on that two-point attempt and they're able to hold on 34 32 the final from fort worth um, Oklahoma State and, and this honestly this game again probably caught my eye just about maybe more than any other game um, they needed a twenty one point fourth quarter to rally to beat a very I, I'm just gonna say average AAC team average to below average AAC team in Tulsa twenty eight to twenty three was the final Spencer Sanders was actually back for this game too. Um, to 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 project a little bit forward from the K-State perspective, I don't know if you maybe, knowing that you were going to inevitably have to open conference play on the road. But man, I don't know if there were many other opponents that you would rather open on the road with outside of maybe Texas Tech, KU, the obvious one. But maybe Texas Tech. The way Oklahoma State's looking through the early part of this this season makes me feel pretty encouraged about the Cats' chances in Stillwater here in a couple weeks yeah, Oklahoma State did not look very good. Um, their comeback even,
3: I believe in the fourth quarter, they got a kickoff return for a touchdown where they had a guy holding a guy for about fifteen yards, didn't get called, let him go, and then went and grabbed him again and like took him down, never got called for a holding, so that definitely should not that should have been called back. Uh, and then Spencer Sanders fumbles on the sideline late in that game and Tulsa recovers it, but the guy that recovered it barely had his foot out of bounds. So they kept possession and scored another touchdown. So they didn't look very good, but they got the benefit of a a couple of fluke plays there um, to come out on top.
2: I think my biggest concern with Oklahoma state right now is they might be in for a reality check week this weekend uh, at Boise state. You know, part of me kind of hopes they can find a way to fart out another close win, you know, kind of keep their guard down. I think if they go out and lose that game, they're going to be on high alert coming into our game. And we are, you know, we've said it a hundred times over the course of this podcast. We are just maddening things happen in Stillwater. So, like, I don't want to give them any kind of edge going into that one.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a game to to keep your eyes on this week. We'll 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 dive into the week three slate as well for the Big 12. A uh, couple more just to kind of put a bow on things here. Um, Texas Tech, uh, another. Big 12 team with a struggle against an FCS squad. They, they hold on at home to beat Stephen F. Austin, 28 to 22, the final there. Uh, Baylor big winners against Texas Southern 66 to seven, the final in that one we touched on at Oklahoma 76, nothing over Western Carolina, West Virginia 66 to nothing over Long Island. And then finally, I I do have to give KU a little bit of credit. They, they did go punch for punch with Coastal Carolina for about two and a half quarters. This game was 28-22 uh, early on in the third, uh, and then it just kind of got away. The, the The quarterback, Bean, looks like he might be able to do some things for this KU squad, but there's not much else beyond that. And, and still, they're, they're confronted with a lot of the same problems. So a lot of his big runs that he's breaking off, these are not by design. This is the offense, the the execution from receivers from tight end, the guys aren't getting open and I'm just having to improvise and take off. And, and to that point, you know, he's able to exploit with his speed and whatnot. But um, I, I do think KU acquitted itself nicely uh, and they but they did fail to cover that 27 point line. I think that did get bumped down to 26 or so later on in the week. But but yeah, the Hawks 49 to 22 loss at Coastal Carolina. So That is your week two in the Big 12. We will now turn our attention to week number three, and very much excited for the Cats' final non con opponent, the Nevada Wolf Pack. Nevada, of course, out of the Mountain West Conference. Very high praise for. Uh, Jay Norvell's squad. He's in his fifth year there. Uh, this is a team that's already gone on the road. They upended Cal in Berkeley a couple weeks back. 22-17 to 17 was the final in that game. Uh, that actually snapped an eight-game uh, losing uh, road-losing streak to Power 5 teams. So th- this is a definitely a plucky squad. Uh, I, I will say from the K-State standpoint and how the Wildcats go about attacking this week is obviously going to be very critical. We know Will Howard is obviously going to get the nod here. Where do we want to see the greatest improvement from him? Week in this case, week two to week three.
2: Balls Hold on to the ball, ball man. That's <laughs> really what it boils down to. You know, I not even I don't even mean it. You know, to be mean, but every mistake he makes is just of the most catastrophic variety. You know, it it it's the overthrows that leave to picks by the high safety. It's the not seeing the blitzer coming right at you that leads to the fumble. You know, it's just you got to get the turnovers under control. You know, we can handle an incompletion, learn to throw the ball away if nothing's there. You know, it, things like that. If you can eliminate those just completely breakdown mistakes, you know, we're we're probably going to be in a position to win this game.
3: So here's what needs to happen. And it's not just a Will Howard needs to do this thing. It's the play calling. I think as bad as Will Howard was, the play calling was not great when he was in there. Um, that diamond formation we run with the three running backs, we ran that a handful of times. And Southern Illinois could not stop it at all. And we just stopped doing it. And I'm like, dude, get get run the ball. Like, you have your your backup quarterback who is... Uh, You know, everyone's a little bit shaken after the injury and the quarterback clearly is um, maybe not making the best decisions, being thrown into action. But run the ball, you know, and then give give your quarterback some easy completions, you know, give him a dump off, give him something to the tight end. I don't think uh, what a matter, baby, didn't have any catches last week. I don't think he had a
1: single target. Did He he didn't
3: have any. Right. Give them some quick reads, get the ball out of your hand, um, you know, throw it to some open guys, let them make some plays, miss some tackles. Like, we don't have to force the ball all the way down the field and throw, throw 15, 20 yards down the field. Like, just get the ball out of your hands, run the ball, use my boy Jacardier right, because every time he gets the ball, he goes for eight yards, but then he doesn't get the ball again ever. And like I said, the play calling needs to be a little bit better uh, to put a liability in a better position to succeed. Yeah, definitely agree about the tight ends. I
1: mean, we got some big athletic tight ends. I'd like to see them run some plays specifically for them. Uh, they ran at least one screen to Deuce that got blown up right away. Obviously, uh, Southern Illinois was keen on him. I mean, if Nevada's doing the same thing, use that to our advantage, you know. Uh, run some plays that look like they're going to deuce and when everyone uh, funnels right into where he's at you know you can have a pretty easy pass to somebody else um you know if you're going to be throwing it downfield you know do it to somebody who can get up and get after that ball like malik knowles uh, like uh tyron howell you know i don't, i i like the pass that he had to to brooks at the end of the game that was one of the few passes that he looked confident and that's that's what I want to see out of him. I want to see some real confidence. He looked real shaken after those uh, early turnovers. So getting his confidence back is going to be key.
2: And yeah. uh, Alex, to your point about running the ball, Nevada is very mediocre against the run. I think they're 79th nationally. Um, that's If it's there, take it.
3: Yeah. I feel like this offense has so many guys that can do stuff with the ball in their hands but we just struggle so much to get the ball in their hands. Sure. And like Malik Knowles is a perfect example. Like last year, this year, it seems like, uh, you know, what a quarter of his touches are uh, those little jet sweeps. And every time he gets one, it goes for 10 yards, at least it seems. So you just, even if if you're struggling to uh, throw the ball, we got to do some other things to get the ball into our playmakers hands Uh, out in space and let them, you know, not all the yards we're going to gain through the air are going to be, you know, air yards, you know, just get the ball in someone's hands and let them make a play. Mm -hmm. But yeah, those jet sweeps are another one that seem to work quite a bit. And I know that's not a play that you want to overuse. But, you know, keep running it until a defense can prove that they can stop it. That and the diamond formation, I think we need to use quite a bit more. I like the formation but I don't
1: love it when we have Deuce Vaughn out there lead blocking for the other two running backs. I mean, Nope, agreed. (laughs) I do agree
3: with that. I think there are ways that he can be used as a decoy in that formation but also not be the lead blocker. Also, I don't know if we need Jax in that formation. You know, I like it with – he's not bad in it, especially if he's going to be blocking, but I like the formation with with Wright and Irvin and and Vaughn as well hmm Really
1: missing Harry Trotter back there. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: Definitely.
1: I mean, truly, he was an elite
0: blocker as a running back. What is the ideal number of pass attempts that we see this Saturday? I think it kind of depends
1: on what kind of passes that we want to put out there. I mean, I don't want to see 20 passes going 30 yards downfield. If we're trying to dink and dunk it and trying to get the ball into Deuce's hands, then, you know, I I wouldn't be upset if Deuce came away with eight receptions. That would be a great thing for us. And obviously that would mean more receptions if they're not getting as much yardage as long as we are getting the first downs.
0: So I don't have a number for you. I'm sorry. Damn it, Clint. (laughs) No, I think think you certainly want to keep it under 20 and with the way that nevada defended the run against cal Cal averaged almost six yards a carry on 27 attempts and this is this has been what i've been looking at all week and i've just been so perplexed as to why cal did what they did but cal jumped out in this game 14 to nothing in a in the blink of an eye and so the end of the first quarter they're up two scores and then when you should really pivot and start to lean on your offensive line and to start to theoretically kill clock, they, they just go into this weird air raid mode against Nevada and Chase Garbers ends up, ends up throwing almost 40 pass attempts in this game, only averaged 4.7 per attempt. Uh, and granted some of them is you know, going to be out of necessity because Nevada ultimately does end up coming back from that 14.0 0 hole. And they do take a lead. Uh, late in the uh, or excuse me early in the third quarter so I, I understand that nevada does come back and that maybe gets you off your game a little bit but it's not that that touchdown that gave the wolf pack the lead in that game was 19 to 14 with 12 minutes left in the third like you you were still very much in the mode of being able to run whatever you needed to run offensively it's not like you're you know this happened in the final six minutes of regulation and you need to start checking it all over the yard I, I just have no idea why cal abandoned the run the way that they did and i know that the offensive coordinators at k state are certainly not going to do that this week uh, you have to believe that all backs all four mentioned backs deuce jacardier urban everybody's going to get their chance to to do some damage on this uh nevada defensive line now We've talked about it from the running backs perspective, and I do think K-State's going to make some hay in the running game this week, as I just touched on. If if Cal can run as effectively as they did against Nevada, I certainly believe the Wildcats will be able to replicate, if not better, that 150-plus yard effort. Now, quarterback play, obviously going to be very critical for Kansas State, and offensive coaches, you have to believe, are going to tailor the game plan to Will's strength. So I think we'll see more quarterback run game out of him. We didn't really see a lot of that this past Saturday. I think we'll see more designed runs for Will. As far as passing the ball goes, we know there's going to be some some easier completion, some easier throws. Got to boost his confidence. You hope that he starts to look more at tight ends and other options. I felt like he really keyed in hard on Deuce Vaughn on a number of plays because he trusts him so much and he knows he's got that game-breaking ability. I think you have to open your eyes more. You have to see more of the field if you're Will Howard this week. I'll say this much as far as what we see in terms of pass attempts. If Will Howard throws the ball, let's say 22 times, go 11 of 22, but have three of those be big time completions. You know, hit a hit a 22-yarder down the seam to the tight end, or hit Malik Knowles on a flag route for 35 yards or something along those lines. Give me three big-time completions. Take the nickel and dime underneath throws where you can get them. But more than anything else, Will Howard just has to avoid being tragic. If you fumble, can't be scoop and score. If you throw a pick, can't be pick six. And ball security going to be very, Critical for this team, obviously, we saw how quickly a game can turn last week. You don't want to give this Nevada offense any additional chances than it already is going to have. This is a very prolific team that can that can score in the blink of an eye. So ball security going to be of the utmost concern for Kansas State. And I, I do believe that Will Howard, knowing he's the guy this week, knowing that the game plan is tailored around him, knowing that he's had all the reps with the ones this week, I do think he'll... Be a little bit more relaxed and he'll be able to ease into things this week and again i think as long as he is just not quote unquote tragic case they will have a very good opportunity to win this game now let's go ahead and shift gears and talk about this from the defensive perspective nevada really as a team goes as carson strong goes he is the Alpha and the Omega for this squad. He threw for just under 3,000 yards last season at 2,858 yards, 27 touchdowns to just four interceptions. And keep in mind that was also in nine games. So that gives you an idea of how explosive this Nevada passing attack can be. He's got a game breaker in Romeo Dobbs, a receiver who had over 1,000 yards on just 58 catches last year. And again, just in nine games. So That's going to be primary target for him. They are air raid in every sense of the word. So again, go back and think old school Mike Leach, Texas Tech. They're going to chuck it around the yard here. Uh, Not going to give a whole lot of attention to the running attack. Tua Tua uh, has some decent ability, but he's not going to be a a big game breaker in in this contest. At least that's my read on it. I, I think a lot of what he does is a byproduct of teams king so hard on those passing plays and those running lanes can open up if you're obviously not reading your keys and whatnot. So we've already kind of alluded to it earlier on in the show. This Nevada offense certainly is the most prolific of any of the non-con opponents K-State has faced uh, to date, and it presents a much different set of challenges than either Stanford or Southern Illinois brought to the table. With all that being said, guys, let's let let me put the question out there: What unit needs to step up the most for K State to have a shot to to win this game? Well, clearly uh, the secondary is going to be
1: tested, but I think the uh, the pass rush uh, is going to need to be the thing that steps up and uh, plays well for the secondary to be able to perform. If uh, any DK can and Duke can continue to get pressure and even guys like Huggins and Horn and Pickle, then uh, I think there's a pretty good chance that our defense um, has a great day.
2: For all the fanfare that Carson Strong has, he's not known for his mobility. You know, he's a guy that really likes to camp in the pocket. Uh, You know, that's something you absolutely have to take advantage of. You know, I know that the defense has had nine sacks in the first two games by six different guys, but it is really time to put your money where your mouth is on that. You know, this is... You know, we've said it before. You know, the Horn does a great job of clogging up the middle, but like we're we're going to have to get penetration from everywhere, and it's going to have to happen all day.
3: Yeah, I think the de- defensive line has proven that they're up to the challenge this year. Uh, I'm kind of I'm pretty excited to see what they can do, and if they are causing havoc, I'm really excited to see what the secondary can do, um, making plays on balls that have to come out quicker than they need to, uh, stuff like that. Granted, they're going to be tested if if uh, Strong has a lot of time in the pocket to throw, but uh, I think I think I'm ex- I'm pretty excited to see what the secondary can do. In a, I feel like the Stanford game they didn't really get tested all that much. The Southern Illinois game they got tested a little bit, showed a few cracks, but nothing that they can't um, fix. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of excited to see what the defense is going to do. I feel like that's really the the make or break of this game is defense go out there and ball uh get some pressure on the quarterback make it hard for him and then offense just try to possess the ball and don't turn it over
0: the margin for error this week obviously going to be much slimmer with will howard running the offense for kansas state as opposed to sky i think we all feel reasonably confident about the defense what they've shown today and what we feel like they'll be able to bring to the table on Saturday, I I don't think you're going to totally put the clamps down on this Nevada passing attack, but I do think K-State will do a reasonably good job at containing Carson Strong, Dobbs, Tua Tua, some of their other receivers, and Cole Turner, uh, Torrey Horton, and so forth. With all that being said, though, we got to put the question out there about special teams, its influence on the game. K-State really hasn't had any Big contributions from that unit thus far in the season. Do we feel like K State has to get a non-offensive touchdown to, to pull uh, to pull out a victory this Saturday?
2: I don't think you ever bank on a non-offensive touchdown to win. I mean, obviously, one in a game like this could go miles and miles in deciding the outcome. But I mean, I don't think you, I don't think you can say they need one. No, doesn't hurt. <laughs>
1: Yeah, agreed. Yeah.
2: I like that you guys
0: are feeling more optimistic than than I am on this front. I, I've not been able to convince myself, at least to this point in the week, that K State can win without some type of non offensive score. I certainly hope I'm wrong on that front, but this just my read on this game since last week has been if K State manages to prevail, it's gonna look like a late stage Snyder 2.0 type of win where your offense only manages manages to cobble together 288 yards and you only have three scoring drives but maybe you have a kick return touchdown and that's enough to get it done. I I certainly hope that I'm wrong. I hope that Will Howard takes a a massive step forward. I think, again, knowing that you're the guy, mentally mentally preparing yourself to be QB1 for a week, knowing that the game plan, again, is going to be tailored around you, I I think that will help alleviate a lot of the stress on his side. And and I know we haven't touched on it yet, but if you you haven't already, a number of K-State media people have tweeted it out. The video of him post-game after SIU watching the body language listening to the tenor of his voice you you could just see and hear how tense he was after that game and he was just constantly rocking back and forth when he was answering those questions and i'm not trying to discredit him again props to a a true sophomore for going in there and, and and dealing with the media after you know you did not have a great game i i think will howard will take a step forward this week how big of a step obviously that remains to be seen i certainly hope also that he he shows out in a big way and he proves a lot of folks wrong i hope that he goes out and has a great game and the wildcats are able to to get a comfortable victory over this nevada squad but Nevada's going to be plucky either way and they're going to throw their biggest punch at the Wildcats and there's going to be a lot of people that need to step up in addition to Will Howard. So with that being said, I think it's a good time now to transition to our our weekly picks here. We're going to start off with our Marvin Show Me More Simmons pick to perform. Guys, we got a lot of candidates here in this regard. Nutter, I'll go ahead and start with you. Who's your pick for the Marvin Simmons distinction this week?
2: Uh, Yeah, Jeff, we kind of alluded to it a minute ago, but I'm going with the special teams. You know, there just hasn't been that, that splash play that K-State has just been synonymous with for years and years at this point. And if there was ever a game for it, you know, what, what could be a momentum shifter or even a game changer, you know, if we wanted to rip off a punt return or block a field goal and house it, you know, something like that, that could, could make all the difference in the world in a game like this.
1: Jeff, you asked about a specialty or a non offensive touchdown. I don't know if we need that necessarily, but I will say that we will need to make our field goals in this game if we want to win it. I don't think we can afford going out there and missing field
0: goals. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. You cannot leave points on the field this week. And that was very frustrating to see, you know, Daniel Green gets that fumble recovery inside the red zone and. Sets case stayed up with the first and goal, and the Wildcats can't even turn that into a field goal. You you need to cash in at every short field opportunity that you get this week because leaving points on the field in a game like this is going to be magnified tenfold. Now uh, I got to give Alex the opportunity to give his choice for the Marvin Simmons Show Me More distinction for week number
3: three. Uh, I'm gonna go with Will Howard. Just you know, show us that you can hold. You can. Be safe with the ball. Um, don't attempt any throws in the double coverage and, you know, get rid of the ball. Don't fumble. I think that's. You know, Will Howard right now is not Skylar Thompson. He's not going to go out there and just sling it all over the place and be the most confident player on the on the field. Uh, but that's not what we need to win this game. We just need him to hold on to, the, uh, to protect the ball. and make make the easy throws, make a couple of difficult throws, and just make good decisions out there.
1: Clint, uh, I was also thinking will Howard, but since Alex decided to steal him from me, then I'll uh, switch that over to Noah Johnson, a guy that the coaches rave about, but uh, we can consistently see that he uh, you know does things multiple games where he will um. Just make you say, like, why Why is he the guy that's getting all the rave reviews? Like, this past game, the um, Will Howard fumble happened because Noah Johnson just pretty much let his guy go right through the line immediately after the ball was snapped. I mean, I understand he's out there because he's a leader. He's a smart player. He's, you know, getting everybody set into the right formation, making all the, uh, the calls. Uh, but he has to have that physical side of the offensive line play also. Um, so even whether he's able to move a player off the ball, um, that's a whole nother animal, but at least have the fundamentals to,
0: you know, keep your guy at bay for a little bit. That's a great pick. That's a great pick. And I think there's been a lot of mixed feelings about the offensive line's performance through the first couple of games here. I I tend to come away feeling more encouraged than discouraged from that group. Well, we already hit on it a little bit in this show where you really have no, credible passing threat after Skyler goes out. And despite that, despite the defense allocating a lot of resources to stopping the run, the offensive line was still able to open up enough holes for, for all the backs to churn out a 200 plus yard rushing day that, that has to be of more significance than a couple of missed assignments here and there. And I think, and, and also to, to, to maybe magnify that a little bit. Everybody wants to put it all on Will Howard last week. He has to own the pick six. I'll I'll cede you that point, but the lost fumble by Deuce Vaughn, that's obviously not on Will. The lost fumble by Will Howard, uh, that comes on a first down and 10 after K-State had just converted a fourth down and was looking to retake the lead going into halftime. If you watch the replay of that first and 10 play, Noah Johnson totally lays on a block. The defensive lineman hits him with a swim move and is in Will Howard's kitchen before he knows what to do with it. So if you want to put all that on Will Howard and say he has to know to tuck the ball the second he gets the snap and he knows he's going to get sacked, I mean, I I, I can't convince you otherwise, but I think that was a play that much more so falls on on Noah Johnson missing an assignment than it does on Will Howard for, for not securing the ball. That's, again, just my two cents. Now, my pick as far as what I want to see for my Marvin Simmons, show me more pick of the week. I look to Courtney Messingham because I think scripting in this game is gonna be very critical. I think the middle eight is gonna be very critical. Will Howard is still at a stage in his development as a quarterback where he needs that reinforcement. He needs to see on the scoreboard an opening drive that results in points. We need to see that field goal, that touchdown, whatever K-State gets on that first drive. I think that goes a long way in just helping will howard mentally stay in the game because if things go sideways and all of a sudden k-state's down in a a 10-0 or 14-0 hole and the offense has gone three and out three and out on its first two possessions or has you know only strung together one or two first downs and has had to punt i think that's when he gets in his head and that's when this game gets away from kansas state so i think What Messingham draws up for the opening script, how the Wildcats execute on those first couple of drives is going to go a long way in determining who wins this contest this Saturday. So I look a lot at Courtney Messingham this week. Yes, it's going to be on Will Howard to execute it, but I do think, again, the coaches are going to scheme around him. They're going to try and make this game much more about the run. And hit, not just Deuce Vaughn and, and Jaquardier Wright and, and Irvin. I think they're going to try and incorporate Will Howard, obviously, in the running game. And they're going to try and and take his passing out of it as best they can. And to that end, offensive line is going to need to execute big time. But like I said, I think I really look to how K-State executes early on those opening scripted plays because I think that's going to go a long way in deciding who who wins this contest this Saturday. Now. Let's change gears and move to our second prediction for the week, the Ben Newman Stone Pounder. Clint, who's your guy this week?
1: Okay, my guy, I picked Tyrone Howe. We heard all about him in the offseason. He has yet to come up with a catch. He had a couple of opportunities this past week. One pass went way over his head. The other pass, um, you know, he was blanketed by defenders. He did get his hands on it, but couldn't come down with it. Um, I'm looking for him to be the guy that, uh, we heard that he was a guy with excellent hands and a big catch radius that can help out, um, you know, Will Howard, who has not shown that he has the accuracy yet in his career. Um, you know, this, I, I could have said the same thing about, um, you know, matter or Sebastian Taylor coming back from his injury, any of those, you know, bigger, uh, receiver types, uh, I'm looking for them to step up.
2: Nutter, I'll go to you next. The front four, I think, are really going to dictate how this game goes. You know, there's we've done a phenomenal job so far of rotating guys at D-end. Uh, you know, a, a ton of guys have come, come through in the backfield. You know, I know Nate Matlack missed his first sack by just inches, you know, on the last drive last week. You know, I guess the big thing is, like I said, it's not a mobile quarterback back there. If you get the opportunity to bring him down, you've got to bring him down. You know, that, I mean one whiff sack you know i think back to that that west virginia game a few years back where we i got blanking on his name will greer where we just could not bring him down to save our lives how many times did we have him dead to rights he got free and let it rip for a touchdown you know that's that, i feel like that that could be we could be looking at a repeat of that if we whiff on opportunities in the backfield so yeah really important that we stay on top of him the entire game
0: alex
3: i'm going with daniel green i think uh With the type of offense we're going up against, I think he could be used um, sending him on some blitzes and causing some havoc in the backfield, kind of helping out that defensive line Uh, or just, you know, kind of roaming over the middle. And I don't know. I think uh, he's proven to me so far this year that he's the guy on defense that's going to be in the right place at the right time and, and make some big plays. So he's my stone pounder for the week.
0: I, too, am going to go defense for my stone pounder this week. I'm looking at T.J. Smith. I've been thoroughly impressed with his play through the first couple of weeks. Uh, augment that even more so when you take into consideration the season-ending injury he endured a year ago. He's just been rock solid in this K-State secondary. And one, I love the attitude that he has brought to this defense. Jeron McPherson is obviously a big hitter in the secondary. And TJ Smith is very much that same guy. TJ Smith, though, is the type of guy to me, if he's got a bounty out on somebody, he is demanding that they be brought to him alive so he can run at them a million miles an hour on a football field and just lay them out. That's the type of attitude that he brings not only to the secondary, but to this defense as a collective. And you're going to need that type of player this week. You you need to have guys in that secondary that make this finesse air raid team think twice about going over the middle on some of these routes. And I think TJ Smith is going to bring that type of mentality to this defense this week. So I look for him to continue his great play that we've seen through these first couple of games. He is my pick for Stone Pounder this week. I'm, I'm expecting big tackles from him. And if we see a, a forced fumble or an INT, I would not be shocked. The secondary obviously going to be called on in a big way. Not going to be surprised at all. Nevada chucks the ball 40-plus times this Saturday. So they're going to be asked to step up in a big way now we we've talked about expectations as far as as offense and defense goes uh, I, I've already kind of voiced my opinion on how I feel this game is going to play out I, I feel like we're looking at a game that's going to be in, in the low to mid 20s what are your guys predictions for scores this week
1: I have us down as 31 to 30 which is why I said we cannot afford to miss any field goals at all <laughs> better
0: uh
2: yeah i went 23 21 so that would be right there with you um yeah i did they're gonna they're gonna score points you know you're not you're not gonna keep this offense down the entire game but uh you know i do think that they are weak in in enough areas that we excel in that we can we can put up enough to to eke out a win here
3: i'm going with uh 31 to 24 I think the whole hype of this game has been, you know, they have a dominant quarterback, and our quarterback not looking so hot. but you know their their quarterback being good. He was going to be good no matter who our quarterback was. And I still felt good about it before this last week. Um, I, I I think the way our defense has played the the first couple of weeks of the season, uh, the side of the ball that we thought might be the liability has maybe turned into the stronger side of the ball so their their strength is their quarterback and their passing game but I think that our big strength is our defensive line and I think our secondary is um, plenty good enough to to make some plays and especially if the defensive line is causing some havoc so um, as long as we don't turn the ball over and we can establish a, a good running game. I feel pretty good
0: about it. I've gone back and forth on this game. Admittedly, I was pretty surprised when the early lines opened up to see Nevada laying, you know, depending on where you look, they were laying three, two and a half points coming on the road to a P5 school. That was admittedly pretty surprising to me, but I think so much of that number was influenced by the knowledge of Skylar being out of the equation. And, and yes, that that rightfully so should influence the line and how you, you think about this game. But when you really do dive into the details of it and when you look at what K-State's defense in particular has done through the first couple of games, I think you have to, that has to hold a little bit more weight in terms of how this game is actually going to play out. I, I do feel that what we've seen from the pass rush, how the secondary has played so far in limiting the big plays, I, I, I do think those are sustainable. I, I, again, this group very clearly has a, a chip on its shoulder, particularly from the way that they just tanked in the final five games of last season. You see the returning guys that have come back. They, they, are, they are playing very buttoned up, really across the board at, in all position groups. We've not seen a lot of missed assignments. We haven't seen coverage busts. They've looked sharp. And, and, and yes, there will inevitably come a time where there might be a missed assignment. That's, that's going to happen. But I still come away feeling confident that if this team, if this defense is on the, on the field for 72 snaps, that we're going to get a solid effort out of them on 72 snaps, we're going to see quality tackling, quality play from the secondary. And I, I think the defense will be able to limit Nevada enough in this game. The big question is offensively, what can Kansas State do? And Nutter, you, you touched on it, the fact that Nevada, one, is not particularly good against the run, but also they have this will be the best rushing attack that they will have seen. I think a lot of fans are discounting that element of it. I think Kansas State has a, a good chance to – continue doing what they've been doing on the ground, despite the fact that Will Howard's obviously a little limited in what he can do in the passing game. I still think this K-State offense possesses enough threats in the backfield, and that's also including Will Howard, because we we know you know that was probably the strongest element of his game last season, was his ability to run the ball, and that that can happen when the defense will start to key on Deuce Vaughn or Irvin, whoever it may be. I, I think Messingham and company come out with a solid game plan. I, I think that We will see this offense do enough. I I honestly, and and I I don't know if you can really expect a whole lot more, but I think they will do enough this week to get K-State a victory. My prediction for score, I'm going to say Kansas State 26, Nevada 23. Like I said, I, I, I think this is going to be a competitive game throughout. If, if you're the type who thinks that this is a G5 school, and again, Kansas State can just be dismissive of that, I think you're going to be in for a pretty rude awakening. This is a very sharp and competent Nevada team that's coming into Manhattan, and they are going to throw a haymaker at the Wildcats. And I think K-State will be ready for it, and I hope that the crowd brings it. That's another element of this this team. You, you know, You go to Cal Berkeley for the season opener, that is not the same as coming into bill snyder family stadium i know it's going to be another warm one this saturday i know there's it's a one o'clock kick and high in manhattan on saturday is 90 but i think yet again we'll see another solid turnout from the k-state faithful and i feel like they can they can influence the the outcome in this game i I expect the wildcat crowd to show up and and help this defense in particular make some plays i'm 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 optimistic that K-State will find a way to win this game. And again, if you if you want to just immediately defer to shitting on Will Howard and saying that the season is over, you can do that. But I I expect a, a decent leap from him this week. And I think the Wildcats do find a way to get it done against this Nevada squad. So again, my score, Cats 26, Nevada 23. With all that said, let's go ahead and look here at the Big 12 slate for week number three. Uh, we've got three tiers of games, as we always do. Um, first here, they're going to get weird tier. Um, Oklahoma State uh, getting four points on the road at Boise State. I I think Boise State is the right team to be favored in this one. And candidly, I, I would not be shocked if they ran away and won this game in the neighborhood of 14 to 17 points. I, I don't think we've seen enough from Oklahoma State in the early stage of the stages of the season. And I think going on the road, you know that Boise State always gets up for any time that they can bring in a, a P5 school to play on the blue turf. So I feel like they'll definitely be hyped for this game. I think Oklahoma State's going to take an L here. They've And they've also been working on borrowed time.
2: Yeah, kind of like I said earlier, I hope this doesn't serve as a wake-up call for Oklahoma State. I'd really like them to still be sputtering when we come to Stillwater in a couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, I feel like Oklahoma State has just been slipping the last few years. Like, they still have buttloads of talent, but they just don't seem to put it all together for a whole season. You know, even even when they're doing pretty well, it just feels like they're underachieving
0: a little bit. And we've been hearing for a while now, I mean, I remember when Tennessee, for a minute when they – when ultimately ended up hiring Jeremy Pruitt, but Mike Gundy's name got thrown out for that job, and and that was when John Curry was still AD at Tennessee. Um, I don't know. I, I don't been know like
3: if weird situation down there.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's been weirdly tense the last couple of years, and and Gundy's had some you know the the issue with the OANN shirt and all of that, and it just seems like he's kind of he maybe is checked out. I, I don't know. I, I he's He's been there forever in a day, man, and, and if he takes, if he were to take another job at some point, it wouldn't shock me, but yeah, I feel like what you guys have said is, is pretty accurate in that sense. I think Oklahoma State does go down this week, but Nutter, to your point, if they found a way to win and they came in to their open, to the Big 12 opener, 3-0, and and if we could beat the team that makes their luck run out, I would much rather have that play out than seeing them lose to Boise State. So we'll see what unfolds on the blue turf. Uh the next game and the final game, rather, in the uh, in the get weird category, Virginia Tech at West Virginia. Uh, close proximity rivals there. A lot of obviously fighting for the services of a lot of the same recruits. I, I'm kind of surprised to see West Virginia lay in three at home in this game. Um, again, you know, Vegas says you get three for just being the home team. But, man, like, I think Virginia Tech popping North Carolina was is easily the most impressive thing on any team's resume on either of these teams resumes. And the only thing that West Virginia did was totally eat the curb against Maryland. So I, this is kind of a weird one. I, I, I think the wrong team's favorite in this one. I think uh tech's going to find a way to win, but wouldn't shock me if Neil Brown and the troops got it done. That's just my, my read on it though. But please don't take gambling advice from me. (laughs) Um, the, the next tier of games here, the Larry David gif, uh, eh, you know, Nebraska at Oklahoma, big noon Saturday on Fox, Oklahoma 22 point favorites at home for this one. Uh, do, does it, do, do any of you think this game is going to be competitive outside of it being zero, zero?
2: No, I think there's a good chance that Oklahoma has backups in early second half in this one. Um, I will say, I would pay an embarrassing amount of money if there was some way both teams could lose this game. But uh, no, I don't I think Oklahoma's I think Nebraska's getting taken to the cleaners on Saturday.
1: I just have a weird feeling about this game. Like Nebraska is going to do something stupid like mess around and win this game. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I don't know why I feel that way, but just something about it just
0: gives me the feeling of uh, a weird upset. And all those Nebraska fans that uh, planted the evidence about them holding those uh, uh, illegal practices or uh, illegal services of the, I don't remember all the nuances, but I remember they self-reported those violations and and then, you know, Scott Frost goes and picks up a signature win at Oklahoma. That would be pretty damn funny. Sorry, Alex, go ahead. I was just going to say, I do not share the feeling Clint has. I feel like
3: Oklahoma is going to put it on him pretty good. Um, which as much as I'm pissed at Oklahoma over recent events, I still would love to see Nebraska just get their ass handed to them. Oh, I, I certainly hope that's what
1: happens. and, and <laughs> I mean, almost definitely that is what's going to happen. I just have a really weird feeling about it.
2: Yeah, it. you know, for for all the hype this game's gotten, you know, all the, the storied tradition and the college football's greatest game and blah, 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 then you realize, oh, One of the teams in question has done precisely jack shit since 1995. Okay, fine, whatever.
0: Yeah. 97.
1: (laughs) Every time someone says that, the year moves back a little bit farther. Since 2001, since 97, since 95.
0: Well, what was 2001? What did they do then? Didn't they go to the the national
2: championship in 2001?
0: They got worked by Miami because yeah, they got absolutely
2: waxed by the U.
0: Well, 97 was their last title, right? That was a split title with the University of Michigan. Speaking of another team that hasn't done anything in almost three decades. Um, 0-12 every year,
2: fellas. (laughs) 0-12 every year.
0: Now, Clint, I'm actually kind of in the same camp with you. Like, I feel, I don't know, Nebraska's taking care of business these last couple of games. And and again, they had the, the really dumb loss at Illinois, which... You can read into that one what you will i i wouldn't be shocked if this is maybe a game for i don't know two and a half three quarters but i i do think oklahoma gets it done at home but that 22 is a pretty big number and i also think back to uh, you know what tulane did to them you know tulane coming into norman getting down by 23 and then storming back and making oh you sweat it at the very end like I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Nebraska covered that line. I, I Again, I don't think they're going to win this game, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if they covered that line. Um, Baylor going into Lawrence, I have this at 17. It actually has since bumped up to 18. Um, kind of surprising with the way that, again, I thought KU played reasonably well against Coastal uh, on the road. And again, Coastal a top 25 team. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Baylor's getting or favored by that much in Lawrence. Now I, I would, you know, go look at me put money on KU and then they go and lose fifty-five to ten. That wouldn't be a shocker at all. But this one just seems kind of surprising that it's it. The spread is that big. But I, I don't think KU's winning this game. I, I don't think KU's winning another game the rest of the season. But um, I'm interested to see what Baylor's got because we've really. You know, we saw they, they kind of had a, a meh win. they kind of fart one out against Texas State and then they beat a, a, a bad FCS squad this past week. I think this is going to be a lot more telling of what we're going to get out of Baylor this year. Like if they mess around and they win this game, you know, 21 to six or 24 to 16 or something along those lines, I think that tells you that Dave Aranda and company still have quite a ways to go, particularly on offense. But I I just don't know what to think about this one. I I think that that number, that 18, that Baylor's favored by is way too big.
2: Jeff, uh, Go ahead, Alex. Sorry, bud.
0: I was going to say, I'll say this about
3: the KU, uh, the game against Coastal. I watched a decent amount of that game, and I cannot tell you how Coastal Carolina is a ranked team. Like, they looked like crap on defense, and yet they still beat the brakes off of KU. Like, all KU had was their quarterback getting to the outside and running the ball. That's pretty much all they had, and I was not impressed at all by Coastal Carolina. Like, their defense was small and slow. Like, they have a pretty good... They run a nice little offense, and they got a good quarterback, and that's about it. Um, But when you're not impressed by a team who... You know, is winning a game by what four touchdowns? I don't really, I don't really know if I take too much uh, of the um, quote unquote improvement that Ku showed in that game. You know, they still got their butts kicked pretty good, um, and they did it by a team that was not very impressive looking.
2: No, nah, man, you could, you could totally be right. Speaking to Baylor, they're just always such an unknown in the non-con because they never play anybody in the non-con. I mean, you have to go back. They played Duke a couple of times, maybe four or five years ago. But other than that, they just for as much flack as Bill Snyder took for you know his cups, cupcake scheduling philosophy, Baylor was probably worse at it. Um, that said, I'm curious to know what you guys think of these conference games that kind of like bleed into what's otherwise, you know, that more traditional non-conference leg of the season. I personally don't like them, so i was just curious what you guys think.
3: You mean it's that nice like, KU and Baylor are play playing playing this week? What's that? Like you're talking, ty- KU and Baylor are playing this week when it's yeah. How
2: how you'll just occasionally have a conference game, like otherwise in the middle of your non-conference season.
3: I like it as a uh, observer of other games, but I don't really necessarily want it for our
0: schedule. <laughs> yeah the only thing that ever comes to mind with that is making weird trips up to Ames I know we did that I think in 99 they went they went up to Ames I want to say it was the second game of the season and obviously in one of our Snyder 2-0 retrospective pods in the 2014 season we went up sure. their second game of the year too um, a, a, again it, it's, a, it's a nice break because we we do tend to see so many of those just Pay games where you're just rolling in FCS schools or low level G five schools. So it's nice to match up against the conference team, but also in the same breath, like you you know, you're not going to be putting your best foot forward in week two. That's the one thing that kind of sucks about it is that you're just not going to see the finished product for either side. And that that's the part that I don't really care for. But again, like Alex said, selfishly is just somebody who watches football. I, I have no problem. You know, if you were to tell me, Oh, you know, TCU is going to play at West Virginia in Week Three. Oh, okay, whatever. That's that. What, what else is on the slate? Oh, Louisiana Lafayette's going on the road to play Oklahoma, and all this. And you just have a bunch of games like that. That's that to me is really the only thing that I I, I enjoy about it. Just the fact that you know you get one nice quality matchup in your conference to to pay attention to on a Saturday. Yeah, and- I just
1: don't like it when it works out that you're playing a non-conference opponent like late in the season. Like when K State played North Texas at the very end of the year, I hated that. But actually,
2: that was, I w- just looked that up, and Baylor's playing BYU like smack dab in the middle of the year. I was going to yeah, say the
3: SEC's been SEC's done this for a long time, where they will play, you know, their three non-con games early, but then they'll save one of them for halfway through the year and use it kind of like a extra bye week. So. I think if if you can get through that game where you might be playing week one or two against a conference opponent, you might be a little rusty because, you know, we don't get a – there's no preseason in college. If you can get by it with a win, then it might be good if, you know, right in the middle of your, your conference schedule, you have maybe a bit of a break with a non-conference game. but.
0: Damn you. I uh, will say, as far as the uh, the Baylor-KU game goes, a uh, little nugget for any of those who might have a vested interest. Uh, Baylor's uh, won the last 11 meetings in this series, and they are 10-1 and one against the number in those 11 games. So uh, maybe that 18 is uh, something you want to lay this week. We'll see. <laughs> um, Uh, damn it. But nutter. Okay. Um, so final, uh, the, the body bag tier for, uh, week number three here, uh, rice, uh, <laughs> rice on the road at Texas UT trying to get right after Arkansas dropped the hammer on him in Fayetteville last week. Uh, I think there's not going to be any sweat from UT in that game. They'll take care of business. Um, fiu at texas tech tech favored by 21 20 and a half depending on where you're looking um, and then iowa state and inevitably there are going to be probably fifteen thousand tornado bird fans that make the trip out to vegas to watch iowa state beat the crap out of unlv and their um uh, unlv is getting 30 points at home so if you have a if you want to put a couple of bucks on the running reps that is a very big number um I don't know. Might be one worth entertaining, too. You never know about the, uh, the the mental letdown after blowing a game at home like that against Iowa. That, that might be something worth considering. Um, anything about that final tier? Rice at Texas, FIU at Tech, and then Iowa State at
2: UNLV. Will Iowa State be breaking out their red and silver alternate road unis? <laughs> this week? No, uh, what's the beer that they always brag about drinking every town out of when they're in town?
3: Bush lattes.
2: Yeah, you think they can? You think they can take down Vegas?
3: They're gonna try.
2: <laughs> That'd yeah. be a hell of a road trip, man.
3: Maybe they can figure out, uh, you know, a starting quarterback after this game. Probably should just bench that Purdy guy. Yeah, man. <laughs> Still yeah. a little
1: upset we missed out on their. Uh, what's their backup quarterback's name? Hunter Decker, something like that. He was oh, yeah. one of the guys we were trying to recruit, along with CJ Stroud. But ended up with
3: Will Howard,
2: Birdie's brother. Weren't we in the hunt for him too?
3: Yeah. We he picked Louisville, but then ended up going to Florida State.
2: Is That's that right? right. That's right. No, Jeff, I don't think we have any thoughts on those games. <laughs> yeah. I will
3: say, I watched a highlight of the. I didn't watch any of the Texas. Arkansas game but I watched like a 15 minute highlight of it for some reason and Texas just got their asses handed to like it was not a you know turnovers and intercept you know big big run plays or big pass plays by Arkansas they just ran it down their throats and Texas just did Texas things and you know don't actually play football when it comes to trying to be you know tough
0: Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you run for three or whenever your opponent runs for 300, um, chances are they're not hitting a lot of home runs on you. They're they're just drilling you seven and eight yards at a time, which is pretty much what what Arkansas did. So, um, yeah, that that UT game. Looking a little bit more winnable, looking a little bit more winnable Um, as far as UNLV and Iowa State goes, man, I know K-State played. U N L V early part of the Snyder one zero era. I do agree with you. That would be an awesome road trip to make. And I honestly, I I would love to see K State go out to more of those Mount West towns. So, like again, I think Fort Collins, Colorado, would be an awesome road trip. I think going, you know, we obviously have the trip to Provo that's going to be on the schedule here in a couple of years. Um, Hell, you know, you could go to Reno. Who knows? Um, But yeah, that's that would be a fun road trip to make for sure. All right, well that's your that's your week uh, three of the big 12 again a couple of good ones to keep an eye on but uh pretty ho-hum week as we get set to roll into conference play here not before too long so with all that said we'll get ready to wrap things up before we do conclude uh we'll go ahead and throw it over to clint fantasy league action and uh the cream is rising to the top here is it not clint Oh, boy,
1: the yeah. top two Shut teams up. are starting to pull away. Uh, we have we had this week Alex versus Jeff. Uh, you know, Alex had a pretty wild day. Uh, his number one overall pick, Skylar Thompson, goes down, ends up with actually getting negative points with that interception. Uh, Felix Anudike scores a league-high 35 points, but then Alex only ends up with 38.84 points. Um, so I don't he, think
0: any, uh, any individual player is going to get that total this year. Like that's, that's just crazy.
1: So now they'd be hard for us to do that. So yeah, Alex loses to Jeff. Alex goes to and two. Jeff goes up to two and zero. Then it was myself versus Justin. We had a little bit more of an even match, but I was able to pull away by just four points, uh, 45.6 to 41.7. Um, My top scorer was Malik Knowles And I was really sweating because I had uh, Daniel Green on the bench Thinking that uh, maybe it was going to be a blowout And he wasn't going to get to play very much In the second half But he ended up having a decent game uh, Justin, you had Jeron McPherson To get you 18 points But it wasn't quite enough So now Alex is left With this little quandary it's His number one overall pick uh, went down He's going to be out for a few weeks. I was able to pick up Will Howard on the waiver wires, so I offered uh, Alex a trade, uh, Will Howard for rust yeast. And so I'd like to know the answer right now. Alex, what do you think?
3: (laughs) Oh, boy. I think you don't get everything you want in life, Clint. You're going to have to wait.
1: (laughs) I mean, I thought I was doing you a solid by this, but... Okay, I, know. I I was, I was offering a, a a savior to you for your team for only your fifth uh, overall pick.
3: Fine, I accept your trade. <laughs> I don't want to bully you into it, guy. If you don't want it, no, that's fine. I'm going to do it anyways. Just for <laughs> you know that off chance that Skylar is not going to come back in like two weeks, <laughs> I probably need somebody. Yeah.
2: Tell you what, Alex. If Will goes out and lights up the stat sheet, I will gladly take that L.
3: There we go. We're so up, well, I'm, uh, putting, I'm putting Justin in a position that he's hoping for the loss on his fantasy team. So, Well, one of you guys has to get the, the win. Hey, man, I'm just getting ready to start my win streak.
2: You know that meme of the guy chugging champagne when he's standing on the third-place podium?
3: <laughs>
0: third-place sounds
3: really good until you know there's only four people in the league.
2: That's right.
0: Oh, man, it's been uh, it's been good thus far uh, in the fantasy fantasy realm here. And uh, Clint certainly appreciate you tracking all this for us. Uh, I got to remember, man, <laughs> I, I need to start Wayne Jones this week. I have to start him because Amaris Brown has not done a damn thing for me. Um, yeah, got to make sure I do that.
3: I think we all assumed whoever had the quarterback was going to have a huge advantage in this fantasy, but. I got Skyler, and I'm 0-2
1: so far. So, so so far on the season, the top scorers in order are Deuce Vaughn with 43 points, Cody Fletcher, kind of a surprise number two, with 39 points, Uh, Felix Anudike has 37 points, like we said, he got 35 of those in this past game, then uh, Jerome McPherson with 31, Daniel Green 31, Khalid Duke 29. Definitely defense heavy.
2: Good
0: stuff, Hoffman's man. Got to pick it up this week. <laughs> Let's hope. Let's hope. And again, I think the uh, the theme for this week, Will Howard, don't be tragic. Good, sir. Don't be tragic. We can get is this that, done. Uh,
2: goal numbers, is that goal number 17? Don't be tragic? Yes, it absolutely is.
0: Don't check it. It's
2: it's canon. <laughs> um. <laughs>
0: But yes, K-State and uh, Nevada, squaring off, Bill Snyder, Family Stadium, uh, early afternoon kick, one o'clock. And if you're not going to be going out to Manhattan for this one, you can watch it on ESPN Plus, which is sadly what I will be forced to do after my cousin's wedding, which happens to start right at one o'clock. I have some (laughs) thoughts about that. How close can you be to a cousin? And I was gonna say this is like I, I've I've gone to I think four of my cousin I, I've got a big family and I've gone to four weddings here over the last couple of years so like this is number five I, I think I can I can rain check this one uh, no I love you very much Hannah I promise I will be there on Saturday <laughs> um, uh, does any of you guys plan on making the trip up
2: I will be there there we
0: go I will not.
2: Nope,
1: we'll be repping the College and Kimball pod down in Stillwater, though. Yes, we will. Yes, you will. Wear our College and Kimball t-shirts and our College and Kimball hats.
3: Not this week, two weeks from now. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, for any of our listeners, I'm going with a buddy who is not a K-Stater or uh, even a Kansas native, just a huge football fan. I've taken him to Manhattan a couple of times, so if there's any spots I should show him while we're there, let me know.
0: Yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Again, if you haven't already, go ahead and follow us. It's college underscore Kimball, and you can find Justin Nutter as well as all of our Twitter handles linked out on that main account page. Do rate, review, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you guys happen to listen to us on. Again, we appreciate all of our loyal listeners that we've gained here over the last several months. Appreciate all the uh, the reviews that you guys have given us here. Appreciate all the interactions on, on Twitter as well. Thank you guys so much for that. And with all that said, I think it's an appropriate time to wrap it up with the way that we do every single week. Cats, man, if you know, you know.